0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. Today we are doing a bloom and grow episode where I use my experience with grief to help you bloom and grow into a more empathetic person. The goal of all of these episodes is to help you approach your friend that's grieving to help you try to understand what is possibly going through their mind while they're grieving, but equally as important, if you're the grieving person, it it's to remind you focus on intent. That person did not mean to hurt you. They weren't trying to annoy you. They weren't trying to be mean. They love you. They care about you. They just don't know what to say. And again, as a reminder, be glad that they don't know what to say because that means they've never been through this and of course, we don't wish that other people had gone through this, but it's how do we talk about the understanding without making them feel bad? And it's 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 just a taboo subject. And I, I just really want to shed some insight of what it looks like. I started this bloomandgrow.llc Instagram account about six months ago. And so I've had my Instagram account at Sunny Mary Meadow for years, and it's my flower farm. And it's got like 3,700 followers on it. And I would post things So my husband died two years and three months ago. And so I would post things, like reshare things from different grief accounts or just, hey, today was a really hard day. It was really exciting because Vidalia had T-ball, but I found myself crying in the car by myself because I just wish that Josh was here. And I would share things like that because I I was trying to promote an understanding and people were really for the most part, I don't know, maybe people were making fun of me behind my back. I don't know. Or thinking that I shouldn't post that on my page. I don't know. I don't really care. And if they were, please unfollow me. But I would post things like that and I would get a really good response about it. And I wasn't trying to seek attention. I just was trying to promote an awareness that, hey, this is why grieving sucks. This is, it's been a year and a half and I cannot watch my daughter play t-ball. And it's like a sucker punch. I was not expecting it I thought it'd be fine. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, it hit me that my husband's not here and this is hard. And so I would share those insights because I, I want people to understand what's going on. But then the next day I would have a huge flower sale and I'd post about the flower sale and it just, things would get lost. So it's like I, I can't post about that stuff on a business page. It's a little bit confusing. So I created this second Instagram account. And as of right now, it has like 1,200 followers on it. But I consistently get over 1,000 views on every single story on that Bloom and Grow account, so it really is the most engaged of the Sunny Mary Meadow customers or followers or whatever. And really, what I do post about is the examples like I talked about. I reshare stuff from other accounts, accounts. I give insights, you know, just different ideas. And I get probably, you know, if I post something, I don't post in there every day, but I mean, I'll get a hundred DMs saying thank you. I my sister in law went through something similar, and I didn't understand it, and now I do, and I really think that it can cause a ripple effect, and I hope that I make it easier for someone else someday. This is not me trying to get attention. This is not me trying to get sympathy. Trust me, I'm doing okay. I really am, and I want to show others that it takes work, but you you can be okay too if you're going through something hard. And In the early days of my grieving, I would listen to either... Really positive podcasts, and then I'd want to throw my phone because I was so bad. Quit trying to be rainbows and sunshine. My world is on fire. Or I would listen to stuff that is like, Meh, I'm terrible and I'm angry and everyone's angry and, rah, 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 and this person said the wrong thing and I hate them and they're a vulture and they try to steal my grief. And it's like, oh my God. Like, and Then I'd listen and I'd get really angry too. And I'd rally behind that and then be really pissed off for a week straight. And it's like, okay. That's not healthy either. So again, the goal of my podcast is just to kind of promote it from both sides. So as you're listening to this episode, I don't want you to think that I'm attacking anyone personally. There's no one that I'm mad or disappointed at anymore. We're two years and three months out and I can honestly say people did disappoint me, but I've gotten over it and I've focused on the intent and there are people that I'm not as close to anymore, but it's okay. And I'm I'm not mad at anyone. I'm not disappointed. It's just, it is what it is. So getting into the episode, the number one thing that I would say you should ask yourself when someone is grieving, who are you helping? Are you helping them or are you helping yourself? Are you trying to make them feel better? Or are you trying to make yourself feel better by feeling like I did something? I offered to buy her coffee. I told her, let me know if you need anything. And she never reached out. Okay, if you send a text saying, let me know if you need anything, and then you go to bed and you feel good. No, you, you didn't help. That wasn't helpful. In fact, you you put more pressure on the grieving person. Now they feel like they should reach out, but they still feel bad asking for help. And But you know, you can tick that box because you supported them. Now, I will admit that sometimes you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. There are times that, you know, when someone's in that anger stage of grief that, No matter what you do, you're not going to win. You're not going to make them happy. So don't. Do not try to make them feel better. It's not going to happen when someone's in that mood. When I talk about the early stages of grief, I'm really talking about maybe I'm using my own timeline. And again, everyone's timeline is different, but I would say I was in a really big blur until about six weeks. And then from six weeks to six months, honestly, I was just pretty angry that that was that was the throes of my grief. Mind you, I was about seven months pregnant when six months came out. And I think then I started really focusing on the baby. So that's what really got me out of it. I'm going to use an example. And I still can't believe that this happened. But in, who knows? Maybe this person is listening. So I'll try to be as neutral as possible. But about a year ago, I got an email from someone who worked at the same place as me. And when I say the same place, I mean, there's like 10,000 employees for the organization that I work for. So she found my work email and sent me an email saying, my cousin died in an accident and he was one of my best friends and his wife is, you know, it's been almost three months. She's angry and she's bitter and she's sucking the life out of us. What can we do? And I reread it and she's like, it's exhausting. She's mad. We are trying to help her and she just won't let us and she's sucking the life out of us. And I read that email over and over again, trying to decide what to say. And I just was like, nope, there is a grieving widow out there that I got to stand up for because I can't, I can't. And I typed it and I deleted it because it wouldn't have been a nice thing to say. But what I originally wrote was, well, if I had friends like you, I wouldn't be friends with you anymore. Because if I found out that my friends were emailing a random stranger complaining three months after my husband died, complaining that I was sucking the life out of them. Like, well, then you're kind of a shitty friend. I'm sorry, but that is ridiculous. I I could not believe what I read. It had only been three months and she's sucking the life out of you. And so that's what I originally wrote. And then took a deep breath, deleted it. And I just said, it still was pretty snarky. I put in quotes, I said, I'm sorry that your friend is quote, sucking the life out of you. But you need to remember that her entire life, as she knew it, died with him. I know that it's hard for you, but you need to just let her be angry right now. And that's all I said back in the email. And then I think she emailed me again six months later saying something similar, and I did not reply at all whatsoever. I think she entirely missed the message. She thought that I was trying to be helpful, but I was, I was like, you're emailing a random stranger complaining that your friend is sucking the life out of you. She's allowed to be mad. And that's okay. Quit trying to fix her. Just let her be mad. Just let her be mad. It's been three months. My God. They died in a... I'm not going to say what kind of accident, but it was an accident. And I feel like I'm giving away too much information already. But if she's listening, good. <laughs> like It's that, terrible. I'm sorry, but that, that's not okay. And so, you know, the the thing is, people don't know what to say but they try to fix it and the truth is there is no fixing it and just just let it let it ride there are stages of grief i'm not going to talk about you know exactly all of the stages blah 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 but essentially they are not linear they don't happen in order and they don't all happen at once you can have all five stages at the same time you can be angry and accepting my biggest problem with the stages of grief is that acceptance is the last stage And I think that people think once you hit acceptance, you don't feel the other stages anymore. And I think that's so untrue. Just because I have accepted, you know, especially let's say four months out, I accepted that he was gone. I accepted that he was never coming back. I accepted the fact that my daughters were never going to know him. That doesn't mean I wasn't angry about it. That doesn't mean that I wasn't still trying to bargain. That doesn't mean I wasn't still depressed. Just because I accepted it and I knew that it was true doesn't mean that I moved on. And you never move on, you just kind of move forward with it. One metaphor that I saw was it talked about grief like a big hole in the room. And you know, you just keep falling in it. You forget that it's there. All of a sudden you'll be walking, you'll just keep falling in the hole, and you gotta take a ladder and you gotta climb out. Eventually you just design the room around it. You just walk around it. Sometimes sometimes you build a little bridge. But it's still there. It's never going to go away. You can never fill it in. It's a void that you're not going to fill. And so I I think that, you know, people think that once you hit the acceptance stage, you have moved on. And it's no, that's just one of the, you're no longer in denial. You've accepted it as fact that he's dead, but you've not accepted that this is my life. It's like, no, I've accepted that this is what's going to happen from here on out, but I'm still angry about it. (laughs) I don't know. So ask yourself, do you truly think that what you're offering to do is going to make them feel better? Or are you trying to make yourself feel better by saying, Hey, I reached out. Hey, I told them to let me know. Hey, I tried to go over there and have coffee with her and tried to visit with her and tried to get, tried to distract her, tried to do a girl's night, tried to bring over a bottle of wine. I tried, you know, I went over there with some coffee, some caribou, and she just didn't want to sit there. She didn't want to talk. And it's like, is is that what you wanted to do? Or is that what the grieving person wanted to do. And so, you know, in those early months, and truly, I had some friends that they would text me and say, can I come over for coffee? And I would literally message them, yes, you can, but you have to sneak in the back door because someone else just asked me if they could come over for coffee. And I told them no. And if you come over and they see that someone's here, they're gonna be like, I thought you didn't want to have coffee. I'm like, no, I just didn't want to have coffee with you. (laughs) And I know that sounds terrible, but It would be people that I don't even really know that well. And all of a sudden, it felt like I was trying to make them feel better. They would start reminiscing stories about Josh. And I'm looking around and I see my sink full of dishes. And I see my laundry pile. And I see my empty fridge because I have to go buy groceries. And I see the stack of mail on the counter. And there's a bill from Verizon and the gas company and the electric company and the waste management company and the internet and the dish network and DMV, and it's all in Josh's name. So, not only do I have to pay those bills, but I have to call all of those companies. Not today, but sooner than later, I need to call them and switch it over to my name and switch it over to my email and switch it over to my credit card. And I don't have time for coffee. But, sure, I'll sit here and support you while my kid is at daycare, because eventually I started sending her to daycare after about a month because she was watching too much TV. You know, it's like i'm I'm using these, you know, I send her to daycare three days a week um, for the time that I was off. And it's like i'm I'm spending all this time. like I have so much stuff to do, and I'm sitting here supporting you, trying to make you feel better. And I'll never forget there was someone sitting across my coffee table from me two months after he died, and she was like, I just cry. I just think about you and I cry. And I, I just—I was like, okay. <laughs> Can I get you another cup of coffee? Can I get you a tissue? Like, oh my god, Can, are you hungry? Someone else brought over some muffins. Would you like one? I—I I don't know. I just—and again—and I know people mean well, and they feel like something is better than nothing. And so again, focus on intent. And again, if you were one of those people that came over. Maybe you caught me in a good mood or a bad mood or something. But for the most part, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that's not what people want. <laughs> I don't think I'm in the minority there. You know, it's, it's just I would feel the need to cheer them up. They were grieving with me, but also they were somewhat pitying me. I mean, I had one friend that he's like, I just, I don't understand how you're ever going to be happy again for the rest of your life. I mean, you had filet mignon for so long and now you just, the rest of your life is going to be hamburger. That's what he said to me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's like, your life is just over. Like the best years of your life are just over. I'm like, uh huh. Well, I I still have my kids. Yeah, but oh, are you just depressed? <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> this is this is really. Thanks, thanks for that again. And I I get it that people are trying to feel better. But in a little bit, I'm going to talk about the things that I worked on with my therapist. So I am not a licensed therapist, but I went to a therapist once a week through the time Davey was born. Once a week. Do you want to know what my medical bills were on that? But it it, it was so helpful. And, you know, we really worked on setting some boundaries and just making sure I wasn't angry all the time. But it did really help. And like I said, that's where I learned to focus on intent and not be mad at these individual people who were just trying to help. So the next thing I want to talk about is the things that are actually helpful. There was a meal train started for me and it was so sweet. It was so nice. You know, people, they they had their meal every week. It got a little bit messy because at first it was like, bring it every Monday. Well, people were like, well, I can't bring it on Monday. So then they would bring it random days. And I'm like, I didn't know you were coming and bringing lasagna. And, and it was the rule was they just had to drop it off and it was online and people could sign up for it. Eventually, people started just bringing like a big Coburn's gift card, which was awesome. But, you know, they brought a meal train. Well, <laughs> The funny thing is that it quit after six months, which I think most people think that six months is a respectable time to quit a meal train. But it quit when I was seven and a half months pregnant, <laughs> and I was like, I could really use those meals again. <laughs> like, I was yes, I was finally feeling better, but then I was getting like, I'm here, I am like getting deep into the third trimester, and they just cut it off. There were no more meal trains anymore, <laughs> and I was like. I guess I'll do my own cooking. <laughs> like I don't know. again, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not complaining because it was so nice and it was so generous, but it was just kind of funny, like, really? It, it, six months. that's when society decides you should be better. And so that's when we did it. Six months, even though never mind that you're in your third trimester pregnant and alone, but never mind. No, so I had I, I just had to laugh about that. So I'm gonna start talking about things that people did to really help me. And then I actually am in a Facebook group, um, with young widows and I posted in there earlier today. And I said, you know, basically talked about my topic and I said, what are some things that people did to you that really stood out or as good or bad? And for the most part, people said really good things. So the very first thing I want to talk about is my little sister moved in with me. It was about four weeks after he died or three weeks after he died that she did officially move in because I think it was the first week of January and he died December 9th. But she, she quit her job out in South Dakota and she moved in with me. It took her about a month and a half to find a job up here, which was a little bit longer than we were planning but that's okay. But she truly just watched Vidalia and helped me organize my house, helped me just, or just sat with me or just worked out with me. She was just like a buddy, a little companion. Cause so she started her job when I went back to work, which was the very beginning of March. And it was, you know, she's nine years younger than me. So we hadn't lived together since she was nine years old. Cause I went off to college Again, I I cannot thank her enough. I made her godmother to Davy. You know, if you want to really help someone, quit your job and move in with them. (laughs) Um, Although some people I think would go crazy if their sibling moved in with them. But, you know, that was, I cannot, I cannot do this episode without starting out with that. And again, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. And I'm not trying to, you know, but these are just real life confessions of things that happened. So one of my very best friends brought over some Goodwill plates. And she just said, you want me to smash them or you want to do it? I was like, oh my God, I want to do it. And I just smashed a bunch of plates one day and that felt really good. I have another friend. She hired, I'm not kidding. She hired a cleaning service for months that came and cleaned my house every other week every other week I had a cleaning service come in and they vacuumed and they cleaned my toilets. They were only here for about two hours. They didn't do the upstairs or anything like that, but, and I kind of, there was, you know, our living room was really small in the farmhouse and so they, you know, I'm like, just don't even go in there. It's fine. Like I'll, I'll vacuum. It's fine. But they cleaned my kitchen. They cleaned my floors. They cleaned my bathroom. They cleaned my hallway. They cleaned my entryway and it was amazing. So if financially you're able to do that, I would say that's the number one. That's the number one thing besides the meal train if someone is unexpectedly widowed or going through a hard time. Some of my college friends went in on a HelloFresh subscription for me for a couple months, and so I had those meals coming. A lot of my friends went skiing with me. I started cross-country skiing a lot, and they just kind of took turns going with me outside, and some of them knew I was pregnant. Some of them didn't know I was pregnant. Brent was one of them, my now fiancé. Trust me, there was nothing going on when we were going skiing those couple times, but it was just a friend that enjoyed doing it. We'd go like to state parks and I was terrible. And so he'd like, he'd be like a mile ahead of me and then he'd come back and loop back and just, I'm focusing on my feet and just going, but there's no way I would have gone somewhere like that by myself. So it was just, good to get me out of there. Like I said, there was nothing romantic about our relationship in those early days other than he did not treat me like a fragile flower or a bomb. He just treated me like normal and it was really, really nice. Just a distraction. The love and the feelings came later. We'll put it that way. So I'm going to talk about some of these posts that I saw on Facebook. One person said, I'm with you on the coffee thing. So many people I knew wanted to feel better, so they tried to make me feel better. I thought that was very interesting. A lot of people said people helped out financially, and that's, that's the truth. No matter what, if your spouse dies, their paycheck stops. Their paycheck stops. All of a sudden, you're living off one paycheck, and even if you have life insurance through the business, through the company, through their employer, supplemental life insurance, that waits until there's a death certificate. It's months. Do you have enough in your savings personally to survive for months, plus, mind you, you know, so all of your regular bills plus funeral is twenty, thirty thousand dollars at least. It, it, literally, it, it's very expensive to die. It's incredibly expensive to die. Um, you know, paying for memorials, paying for scholarships, pay or or not scholarships, but just tributes going forward. I, my best friend that is also widowed when her husband died in twenty fifteen. My husband set up a GoFundMe for her daughter, and it raised over $15,000 for a college fund for her daughter, Quinn. And in a beautiful, tragic full circle, five years later, he had set up one for her in 2015. She set one up for me in 2020 for my daughter. Never thought she would be paying that forward, but we were able to put that money away and put that into my daughter's college fund. Again, I think that you know a lot of people. Their siblings came to stay. They made dinner, helped them plan the funeral, and only spoke to me when I started a conversation. That's what one person on this Facebook group wrote, and that's that's awesome because I'm a chatty person, I'm a talkative person, but I wanted to be silent a lot of the time. I really did. I didn't want to talk about it. I think that the majority of these talk about childcare, talk about just help me watch my kids, take my kids for a little bit, let me adjust to single parenting because it's stimulating and you don't want to admit, you know, for me with Vidalia, it was, you know, because I was pregnant with Davey. She was on the inside. They're a lot easier when they're still in your stomach. It was really hard for me to get a babysitter for her in those early days because I felt terrible. I'm like, here's what I still have left and I'm trying to get get away from her. Like, I don't want to admit that I need some time away from her, but man, do I need some time away from her. She's three and oh my God. So I think that's huge, but just helping with those everyday tasks and just respite, respite for the grieving parents, you know, don't sit with us drinking coffee offer to watch the little kids. So I can, I can just have a moment to do something. I think that, you know, having a place to go grieve, I'm going to give a shout out to it's called Breeze Lodge of Hope. If you go to breezelodge.com, it's in St. Cloud, Minnesota. They just started a grief and loss center in St. Cloud. They're hoping to build a lodge. I I shouldn't speak entirely because I don't know all of the circumstances on it, but I'm actually going to be speaking at their fundraiser gala on April 1st here this spring, and my talk is going to be on the importance of a support system while grieving. This grief and loss center, I personally, my best friend is also widowed, um, I found comfort in this widow and support group online. I have another good friend that was widowed and you just kind of gravitate toward that. So I I did have a really big support system, but I think having a place that I could go, and I don't know that I would have gone consistently, but how do you even find a support group like that? Especially when you're a young widow, there aren't that many of us. And you know, maybe you've lost a kid, maybe you've had a miscarriage, maybe you've lost a child to suicide maybe you've lost someone i mean just so many reasons and so there's this you know check out grief support groups in your area i think that's super important so i want to get back to with my therapist and kind of what we talked about cuz this is the homework for the grieving person right if you're if you had a miscarriage and your friend is pregnant and they're complaining about their pregnancy or complaining about their kids focus on intent they're not trying to hurt you they should be more self-aware they really should but You know, you just decide, like, did they say it to intentionally hurt you? Were they just not aware? I'm really thinking that if they're your friend, no, they did not. They didn't think about what they said. But I feel like sometimes it's okay to call people out on things like that. I feel like it's okay to say, I wish I was pregnant, because I feel like that is what is going to break this cycle. That is what is going to get people to be more aware, to be more careful, to be just More sympathetic about what they say, and guess what? I don't always say the right thing. It's the beauty of podcasts. I can re-record. I know that there are episodes that come out that I'm like, oh god, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Oh crap! Which is why Abby always sends them to me. If there's anything bad, we will edit it out. (laughs) You know, and so we all put our foot in our mouth. We all say that. I'm going to do a whole episode about when all of a sudden, you know, we're standing around and Vidalia was eating dirty snow, and my mom's like, oh my god, don't eat that. Your daddy would have a heart attack. Literally the day after. He died of a heart attack. Like, okay, too soon. Uh, Maybe don't use that one. But what my therapist and I talked about was really setting boundaries and reminding myself that it is not my job to make them feel better. It's not my job. It is not on me. I know that they're sad. I know that they want to feel better. They want to feel better, so they want to fix it, so they want to try to fix it. But that's not my job. And so around that six-month mark... I started putting people to work. (laughs) I, you know, they're like, oh, can I come over? I'm like, hey, I'm going to be working in the garden. I've got an extra set of garden gloves if you want to come out, if you want to hang out. And sometimes they would, and sometimes they wouldn't, which I think that's how I got all these loyal volunteers. And they're like, okay, I guess I will come help you in the garden. I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. Like, I don't have time. I don't have time to have coffee. Yes, in those initial months, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. But after a while... Okay, you're the one that keeps putting up with it. It's time to stop. It's time to say, "Okay, I I don't have time to do that anymore. I've got stuff to do. If you want to come hang out with me and help me, like you need to help me. And here's my job. Oh, hey, as long as you're here, you want to go down in the basement and fill my water softener salt up. I'm 7 months pregnant and my back hurts. Can you help me with that?" <laughs> like literally my therapist and I worked on different ways to take that responsibility. And I I know that sucks. I'm well aware that that sucks. Why is it our job? We're the ones who's spouse died whose mom died whose kid died like haven't we been through enough why is it our job but it it's just the way it is so you have two choices you either redirect them in how you want them to support you or you find a different support circle and they're no longer in it friendships evolve and that's 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 just the way that is and you have to understand that maybe maybe they're a friendship for certain circumstances but not for this one and and that's okay so people always talk about the golden rule and that's, and I, I didn't make this up, so don't sue me if you made this up, <laughs> um, but people always talk about the golden rule, which is treat others how you want to be treated. And I'm going to call bullshit and say that that's not what you do. Don't treat others how you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. I don't want to sit around and have coffee and reminisce, at least not right now, or don't assume that I want to when I, I I've got things to do. I mean, now, two and a half years later. Yeah, sweet. One thing that one of the fellow widows in that Facebook group talked about was someone had set up a Google Drive for her and shared it with a ton of people. And then people just randomly drop in photos or drop in videos. And now it's been seven months. And his cousin the other day just put in a video of when they were 12 years old singing Shania Twain, man, I feel like a woman. And she's like, I I laughed so hard. I had never seen it. She's like, I get to see pictures of him that I've never seen before. And just a remembrance that he's alive. And there are so many things that you can do. And the other resounding message, I got like 50 people respond to me on. That's just how supportive this support group is on Facebook. And for the most part, people said, do not, you know, the biggest thing to focus on is do not say, let me know if I can do something for you. Just do something. Just do something without asking within reason. Like if you know the person, you know, they're going to be overwhelmed. Don't do it. But offer to go grocery shopping with them or offer to go go grocery shopping without them or just drop off a meal and not just casseroles that they put in the freezer. Drop off some fresh fruit. Drop off something healthy because everyone else is bringing casserole. Just mow their lawn remove their snow, just clean their gutters, just something that you can do. You know, I had neighbors that helped me so much in the beginning and now they continue to do so. Not as much anymore because I don't need it anymore and that's okay. Seven weeks after Josh died, I pulled in the yard and there was a dead tree going across my driveway and I couldn't get inside of it. And we had this huge L-shaped grove of trees and pine trees do not live very long. The ones on the outside were half alive, anything that was facing the sun, the branches were, but the inside were dead. And the pine trees in the middle were dead, except for maybe the top one or two feet. And, you know, the truth is, they were still there as like a windbreak. People didn't see the farm. It was privacy, but they were dead. There was no maintenance done to it. I was the talk of the county because I pulled in, again, this is seven weeks after Josh died. I pulled into the yard. I couldn't get in my yard. Because of this tree. And so I called Josh's cousin's husband. Lex is his name. And he literally answered it and he goes, What do you need? And it wasn't a, What do you need? It was, What do you need? And I go, I can't get in my driveway. There's a tree that fell down and I need this grove of trees gone. That's what I said to him. And this was like a Wednesday. And he's like, I'll handle it. And I'm not kidding. Two days later, There were six guys with chainsaws, and we had skid steer grapples, and my entire grove of trees was gone by the end of the weekend. They cut down over 190% dead pine trees because I told them to. And in retrospect, was that maybe a little excessive? Maybe, but it is what I needed because I felt so overwhelmed living here on this farm, and there's this grove of trees that hasn't I want to be careful what I say here when I say, you know, you have to you have to plan for the next generation. You have to look ahead and these trees were dead with no regard to what would happen to the person that would have to deal with them. So we cut them down. And then, of course, a windstorm came through a year later, which, yeah, probably would have stopped damage to the building. But there's still an entire grove of dead trees. And no, we haven't gotten around to planting a new grove yet. We've been a little busy between building a new house, the flower farm, having a baby, but it's on the to-do list. But that was something just tangible that I could do that I could control. Was it the most rational thing that probably needed to be done right in that moment? No, no, it was not. But do you know how good it felt to have multiple bonfires around my yard of brush piles of a hundred dead pine trees it was awesome it it was good I think I told a couple people that weekend weekend that I was pregnant quite a few people did not know shocker Brent was here helping with the trees (laughs) had no clue that I was pregnant I didn't it was a beautiful moment and it was what I needed and is is that what anyone else is going to need no so like I said don't treat people how you want to be treated treat people how they want to be treated And I want people to show up with some chainsaws and remind me that, hey, you now own this 40-acre farm with a three-year-old and one on the way in the middle of Minnesota, and you can do it. And that was a huge step in the right direction of saying, like, I can do this. I can stay here. I can live here. But help me because I can't come home to trees in my yard. That's kind of the episode on ways to support people that are grieving. Abby, do you have any thoughts to add?
1: So, I only know my own experience. Uh, A few months after Josh passed away, we lost my then fiance, now husband's dad, to an unexpected heart attack. And I just hated when people asked me, let me know how I can help. Let me know how I can help. Luckily, I did have a great core group of friends who knew that that was not what to say to me ever, like regardless of what's going on in my life. They just know that's not how I handle things. So, one of my favorite things that happened was the week after the funeral. My two best friends, one lived in Freeport at the time, one lived in Minneapolis. They said, hey, we want to come over for dinner. Do you want to cook or do you want us to cook for you? And they know that my love language is cooking meals for people. And so I said, yep, let me cook for you. Tell me what day works for both you guys. Let me cook. And I spent an entire afternoon just making food. They showed up. I got to feed them, which made me feel better and it made them feel better too, because I felt like they were doing something for me. And to just it's all about having that core group of people that know what you need in any given moment. See, and that is so
0: important because again, some of the things that I would get mad at, and I promise I'm not mad at him anymore. And I don't know if my dad's going to listen to the, any of these episodes, but dad, if you're listening, I promise I'm not mad at you. But I remember saying to my mom, like, he just comes and he wants me to entertain him. I don't have time to cook him food. Like, Come help me fill my water softener, like <laughs> ask me who's doing my snow removal, like, you know, and I, you know, whatever. And and now I'm just like, you know what, let's go out for supper. Let's just do it. It just, and, and again, there's two very different examples of something that can be really comforting to one person and not to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I laughed really hard when someone was like, wind chimes, I got seven different wind chimes i don't need any more wind chimes which i think i got four wind chimes and one of them was enormous and so cool i got it from the nurses that i used to work with in the hospital at the float pool and it's my absolute favorite thing it's outside in the wind so i love it and then i got some bells outside too and i but i have i have a 40 acre farm with five acres of lawn so i have room for wind chimes so to me i was like No, I was really happy about getting wind chimes, but I can imagine if you lived in a house in town and
1: you got seven wind chimes, you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with all these wind chimes? Hi, me. We got a wind chime and I'm like, I hardly have a yard. What am I going to do with this? And then my mother-in-law, my poor mother-in-law, someone bought this huge, the only way to describe it is like this Irish Celtic headstone looking thing made of cement and it was brought to the funeral. And she was assuming that whoever brought it was taking it home with them because she didn't pick that out. They're not Irish. Like, what's going on? And it got sent home with her. Oh, and lovely. And she's like, oh, now I have to deal with this. This is not helpful. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that comes to mind. Like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I I took a picture of this one card that I got. And again, I would just get cards in the mail and sympathy cards. And it, again, that was super generous and I could open them in my own time. Mm-hmm. I, I still get stuff in the mail from, I, 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 I don't even open everything. Sometimes I take one night a month and just open stuff, which, yep, maybe that's, people are going to probably listen and think that that's not, that's not good etiquette. You need to send a timely thank you. Well, if it takes me two months to open it, I get to take two months to open it. It, it catches me off guard. I got a letter in the mail from... Someone I used to work with at the hospital. This is about a month after Josh had passed away. And I know her and her sister. And I wasn't in the right mood to open a random letter like I did. Honestly, I was like, well, I'll open it. Like maybe there's a gift card. Maybe there's, a- I, mean, I just thought like I got it today. I better open it. And then I wasn't expecting to see like a long letter. I wasn't in the mood to read a long letter when I opened it, but I read this long letter. And in it, she explained that. I don't know which one was older, but her and her sister were one in three when their dad passed away. And what she was trying to say was, we turned out fine. We turned out great. Nobody knows, you know, whatever. But all I could read was, and there was a sentence in there that says, we don't remember our dad. And that's all mm. I could focus on. And it was it was too soon for yeah. me to see that letter. And I just got mad. I'm like, how is that supposed to make me feel better to remind me that Vidalia is not going to know her dad to remind me that Davey, Josh didn't even know that she existed. You know, that was that was the mood that I was in to read that letter. I have since gone back to read that letter and I find a lot of comfort in it. And I feel bad for being mad at that person, <laughs> but I was mad at that person originally. And so, and that's okay. And that's okay. And, and I'm not mad at her anymore. And I, I haven't even, I, I haven't even talked to her. I haven't, I hadn't seen her in years when I got that letter actually. And I, I haven't talked to her since. And I mean, there's a lot of instances like that that I received but it it definitely made me feel better and I don't know I don't know how long we're at for this episode but as long as I'm thinking about it I'm just going to keep talking about some another experience I had this last weekend I ran into a friend from high school who we were pretty good friends in high school and then at college we drifted apart and really haven't seen each other much since I mean I graduated 15 years 16 years ago from college or from high school I mean and I saw her at the playoff basketball game for our high school because my youngest brother is still in high school and she has since married someone who has older kids and he's older and so she's stepmom. Like my brother and her stepkid are, you know, roughly the same age. And anyway, they had a a baby that had a birth defect and they they decided to keep her till full term and she I don't know all of the details, but I, I think it was thirty eight weeks that she was along and delivered the baby and baptized the baby and you know just I can't imagine I can't imagine right I had that episode where I said I can't imagine you would think that I could imagine but nope I can't Mm -hmm. but we haven't spoken really for probably I'd say for eight years you know we used to run into each other and say hi and now I just really don't get home a lot we just don't run in the same circles anymore and so we just don't really see each other but we saw each other 20 yards apart and we just locked eyes and that was it and then, like two days later, I just sent her a Facebook message because I saw she changed her profile picture to actually a picture of her and the baby, and it was quite some time ago that it happened. I mean, it's not like it just happened last week. Um, it was a couple of months ago, I think. But I sent her a message, and I just said, "I want you to know I admire your strength," and that's all I said. And she sent, you know, one back, and then we kind of went back and forth. And I, she said, she goes, "I will say, ever since I went through this." I didn't realize the support system in people that have gone through something hard. And it's, it's just this mutual respect, I think, you know, and I I think you and I connect over it. You know, the minute you told me that your father-in-law died of a heart attack, I'm like, all right, you get it. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just, it's just this mutual understanding. And I think with these bloom and grow episodes, I really hope, I hope that I'm not coming across as I'm, don't say this. Don't say this. Don't say this. Don't say this. Because it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Okay. Well, something is better than nothing, but don't say the wrong thing. And I'm just trying to give real life examples. I think that that's helpful rather than saying, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this instead. And don't do this because this is how it made me feel. I, again, I, I, I don't know how else to do it other than it's important to have these uncomfortable conversations so that other people don't have to go through it. And like I said, I did it to one of my best friends a year ago. I, I, he had lost his brother. And I was like, how's your mom? And he gave me a look like you of all people. No, you don't say, how are you? How's your mom? How the hell do you think she is? And he just like gave me this look. I'm like, I can't believe I just, I, I said that to you. I can't believe I just said that to you. And he kind of was like, she's having some hard days. Like obviously, you know, and anyway, I just, I I still do it and it's just, it's natural, but yet we just need to pause. Think about it. And remember that most people have probably gone through
1: something. We just don't realize it. Those are hard habits to break, but you're doing great sharing your story. And as you were telling it today, I'm just like, you know what? I think Josh would be really proud of you for doing this. Oh, thank you. So.
0: Thank you. Now we're gonna now we're gonna have a cry. <laughs> gonna have a cry. Thank you guys for listening. It really means a lot to me. You can email me at podcast at if you have any thoughts. Like I said. I hope that these episodes just really help you bloom and grow, help us all be more empathetic, truly, equally as much. They're helping me. They're helping me go through my story, share my story. It's it's helping me grieve to do this. And so thank you so much for listening. I would really appreciate it to hear from you. I Honestly, it's, it's a lot of work for me and Abby to do these things, <laughs> to do these episodes, but... I think they're meaningful. I think they're impactful. I just, I feel, sounds cheesy, but I I truly do feel called to do this. I get, I've been getting so many messages, so many emails saying that they're helping. There's a tiny part of me in the back of my mind thinking that, or worrying that people are thinking that this is attention seeking or that I'm trying to get pity or something. And I guess I just keep reminding myself that if that's what people think, then hopefully they just quit listening and go away because That's not what I'm doing. That's not why I'm doing this. And I I just really, really want to make it easier on the next person that's grieving. That's the goal. If someone else has this and happen in five years and their circle of friends listen to this podcast, maybe they'll know what to say. And if it impacts one person and it makes them feel better, then I think it was entirely worth it. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. At Sunny Merry Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymerrymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymerrymeadow.com.
1: Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Merry Meadow, they smell so good. sunnymerrymeadow.com.